0: you have to recognize the worldview, but you also have it in the center of that the Christian principles that guide you through the worldview. Whereas I think the universities, and we see that more and more today, have lost that ability to segregate thought and have really kind of a monolithic way of thinking.
1: Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Ingle, president of Southeastern
2: University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation.
1: And we are excited today to introduce our guests for uh, the show, Senator Doug Broxson. Senator Broxson represents the first district of, of the Florida Senate. Prior to the Florida Senate, Broxton represented the 3rd District in Florida House of Representatives. He currently serves as the chair of the Committee on Appropriations, and I know you have other assignments that you are involved in, but it's a privilege to welcome you to the podcast
0: today. It's great to be here, and this, uh, this is a historic place for my family. My uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law met here in 1948. Wow. And uh, both uh, were ministers, and he died a few years ago, but she's 97, lives with us, and Wanted me to send her greetings to you, and she's very proud of Southeastern. Well, thank you. Well, tell her hello for us, and uh, and we are grateful
1: that uh, your family has been represented here at this university, uh, but thank you for being with us. I want to start off our conversation by discussing uh, how you kind of entered the political realm uh, in your life. Tell us a little bit about your career journey and what motivated you to get involved in in serving the people, um, especially the state of Florida. And when did you first realize this was maybe something the God wanted you to do in your life?
0: I was telling my wife, they've discovered a new uh, syndrome called polypsychotic syndrome. Oh, okay. It's the sudden urge to leave your family temporarily, expose all of your wealth and finances, be exposed to public criticism and enjoy it. It's called <laughs> Politics. Politics, yes. And it uh, happened in uh, 2009. Had no intention. Had a history of family involvement in politics. My dad was a sheriff. My brother was a state senator who served on the board here, by the way, at Southeastern. That's right. And uh, woke up and and uh, had just built a new beautiful home. And I said, put my feet up and said, I'm going to enjoy this. And it's like God said, uh, What are you talking about? I'm just putting you in position to serve me. And mm. So I entered and uh, won a very contentious race and enjoyed six years in the House and then ran for the Senate in 2016. And that's been the the joy of my life, to serve in the Senate. It's uh, such an honorable group of people I serve with, and you're able to get things done. Mm -hmm. And... uh, to cap it on to cap on that to be the appropriations chair in my last two years has been a real treat.
2: Wow. Fantastic. And, you know, the, there's so many I feel like there's so many individuals that are in positions like you were that could um, pursue a, a career in politics and may be really well suited. What would you say to someone who's thinking about that feeling that kind of same urge, that same kind of psychosis, as you put it? Um, what advice would you give them?
0: You know, I think everyone that, uh, in, in, that has a normal life, raising kids, building a business, when they think about politics, they think about, I'm not really equipped. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think there's a uh, syndrome they call imposter syndrome, where mm-hmm. you feel like mm-hmm. you're not really worthy of doing that. Sure. You have to push through that and say, why not? Why not mm-hmm. me? Right. And when you add a spiritual element of you, you feel like it's part of a calling, and you don't know exactly how to describe that calling other than you need to do it and hope something develops along that path where you know that uh, you were there for a reason. And that's been my personal experience to see God uh, perform things that I could not have performed if I was a civilian mm-hmm. just trying to work in the workplace. And so that part of it is, is so unique. The thing that we people forget is I represent over 500,000 people. And those people run into major issues with government. Mm -hmm. And our role is to help navigate those people through those spots. Someone asked me, why can you take care of it, not me? Why can you call Tallahassee and get an immediate response, and I have to go through an 800 number? And I said, sir, I really don't know the answer (laughs) to that. I, I inherited this process, and it works, and I'm glad yeah, to help I'm glad you. glad to
1: be part. Yeah, absolutely. I want to uh, transition uh, our conversation a little bit here and talk about your college experience. Uh, you graduated from Evangel University, which is a sister university to Southeastern University, but tell us about your, your collegiate journey and, and how higher education ultimately has set you up to uh, be successful in life.
0: Well, my dad was a preacher, and uh, my wife's Father was a preacher. Always had this sense of uniqueness, you know, being Pentecostal when you're young is different. A lot of folks in my high school knew nothing about my personal experience. I was accepted to go to Florida State. I chose to go to Evangel University because I was seeking something that really was not academic but was related to academics. Mm -hmm. And that was how do you integrate your life around your faith and have the credibility of understanding to be able to articulate that. And that's the reason I chose Evangel, the mm-hmm. best decision uh, academically ever made. You have to recognize the worldview, mm-hmm. but you also have it in the center of that, the Christian principles that guide you through the worldview. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the universities, and we see that more and more today, have lost that ability mm-hmm. to segregate thought and uh, have really kind of a monolithic way of thinking that does not give people that overall perspective. So Mm -hmm. to me, it was a phenomenal, met my wife there Mm -hmm. and uh, four kids went there, so i um, I enjoyed every minute of it. Wish I had uh, another four years to go there. Wish I could go there now sometimes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And you know it's since serving in the in the state legislature, you have been a strong proponent for student choice, uh, both in the K through twelve um, sector and even in the in the private school, getting allowing students to have the ability to choose that private Christian education. Can you speak to a little bit about why Christian education is important for the fabric of our society at all levels?
0: Well, I, I think it the the landscape has changed so quickly in that uh, we one of the things I think the governor and the legislature has stated very clearly is that we're going to protect children. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can't be in an environment where you can anticipate what the subject matter is going to be, and a lot of subject mm-hmm. matter in the classroom has nothing to do with the books. It has to do with the personal experience right. of, of people there. And so we, we believe that you can with a Christian education have some certainty of mm. the, the baseline understanding of what, what your children are going to hear. Then you move up to high school and college, then it, it becomes even exaggerated in that right. you have to continually remind yourself because of all the media attention, all the things that we have to face every day when we're looking at the news or, mm. or just watching anything is that overwhelming sense of what's happening in the world that can overcome you if you're not grounded in your faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Christian education is the only place you can get a balanced uh, education where you have to recognize the spiritual, Mm -hmm. you have to recognize the, uh, the outside the spiritual and try to navigate through that process.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: faith. Faith integration is
1: is important to you. What advice would you give to college students and recent graduates when it comes to taking on new jobs, uh, and when it comes to the way you serve and serve in a Christ like manner?
0: I, I think we're going to see a new dimension. Uh, we have uh, academic uh, performance. The thing that's really going to change our society next year is artificial intelligence. Right. Uh, where you will not need to have learned the skill to do a certain thing. You can simply plug in, write a letter, write a resume, interact with uh, your customer, and it will not involve your intelligence. It will involve you as a person. And I believe there, there's three types of intelligence. There's academic intelligence, there's artificial intelligence, and there's spiritual intelligence. Right. Mm-hmm. I believe we're going to see... A more of a need for spiritual intelligence. And we, we need to train people to go out and be part of a society where they can feel comfortable in sharing their faith because we're going to see it pretty soon. I think we're, we all know that things are changing, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. We're going to see a, a catastrophic and tectonic change in the world. We know that because of the economy, it just can't sustain the right. level of spending. Right. And so we need to be ready to deal with those people that are, are going to see changes in their life and who can better do that than people that have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right? Mm-hmm. And why is that so
2: important for those kind of people to consider even a career in politics in this time frame?
0: That is an absolutely phenomenal question. Mm-hmm. We have several, we have many, many great members. We have several members in in the senate that came from faith-based uh, institutions and uh, what it does it gives you a baseline of, of where your thought goes uh, mm-hmm. and how you vote and how you do things how you communicate with your your fellow members and to the lobby corps uh, we need people trained to be in politics people that are willing to set aside do well in their career It's hard to do it. It's hard to have a career and and be in politics at state level because we're there about six months out of the year. But I think this is gonna be a challenge for universities, college universities, to come up with ways that uh, help people with new techniques on how to interact with uh, politics and social media, frankly. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, that's good. Um, I want to ask you uh, about this, and, and this will be right
1: before we go to our fire round to wrap up our conversation. I want to talk about your, your family, uh, an amazing family. You and your wife, Mary, have four children, 10 grandchildren? Twelve. Twelve grandchildren. All right. How do you balance uh, everything with your career and, 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 and making sure you, you stay close to your family and, and then just continue to keep faith at the center?
0: Well, 10 of our 12 grandkids live within uh, two miles of us. Okay. My wife cooks uh, dinner every Sunday night, so mm-hmm. we have a riot at our house <laughs> with uh, all the the in-laws and the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Just visited a son in Tampa, has two. He'd he love to be home doing that process. But uh, I think you have to remind them that church, you have to right. mm-hmm. be hooked into a church to maintain that balance. Uh, but you— Frankly, I'm out of balance. I mean you can't mm-hmm. be gone six months out of the year, so sure. I recommend that uh, you might uh, wait a while before you get in politics so that you can pay your bills and do the mm-hmm. things that uh, fundamentally make life work. Sure yeah, yeah That's. Can a good you speak wisdom. a little
2: bit more about that importance of keeping your family plugged into church. I think there's a lot of listeners that we have you know they're they're in positions like you, they see their family, and they may even see some of their kids. Drifting in different directions, having different values. Talk about why it's important if you are a leader in your family to keep your family plugged into church.
0: Well, church is—I mean, it's not just church. It's that relationship with Jesus. You have to—you have to work on that. It's—it's mm-hmm. uh, it's like the children of Israel. You know, they had manna for a day. You can't store it up. It has to be—you uh, have to break the, the new bread every day, and. Uh, we we kept our kids in church. I mean, we kept them in church probably too much. We were part of the Brownsville Revival, so oh, yes. my wife was mm-hmm. there seven nights a week, and our kids were involved in it. And uh, pros and cons of what that does to a family unit, sure. but uh, we we know they have all had a phenomenal experience in mm-hmm. the power of God, and uh, we know that they've always they've made that commitment. To accept Jesus as their Savior, but you have to continue that you have to yeah. you have to make that decision as a family when you right. break off from the big family and how you do that as individual, but we all are very thankful went with my son uh, in Tampa yesterday to the radiant church, which mm-hmm. is oh, yes. affiliated yeah, with right. here and yeah. Yeah. Right. Aaron Burke is yes. from Brownsville and uh it was it was phenomenal to me to see the young people there. And yeah. why would they be there? Because there is a void that's occurring around the nation right. mm-hmm. that's not being filled by the, the stimulus that we're seeing. Right. And uh, you're going to see people want to get connected to something that's e- eternal. Yeah, there's a there there is a deep hunger sp- for spirituality in, in in their lives and.
1: And we see we see that uh, being stirred, and especially even in our students on our campus, just uh, hungry for that faith integration in in who they are and what they do. So that's so powerful. Well, I want to um, uh, move into our fire round. We What we do in our fire round is ask just a few quick questions. We're only going to ask you three, uh, but uh, grab some uh, practical uh, and applicable pieces of advice from your experience for all of our
2: listeners. So uh, three questions. Michael, you can start with the first one. Awesome. So first question, what is the first step if somebody listening right now wanted to get involved in their in their local politics, wanted to take that first step, what would be that first step you'd recommend they do?
0: Well, most people that get in want to be involved in organizations that uh, lead them to that decision. It's very difficult to come from just no place to go into politics unless you have a family history of Mm -hmm. of being in politics. So get involved in organizations, rotaries, uh, Mm -hmm. have a good foundational church that will give you encouragement. And then wait for that call because don't don't do it without a call. Yeah, if you don't feel it's a, a, a real, it's too sacrificial to make if you're not supposed to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, I love this question. Uh, if you could sit down with any leader, past or present, who would it be, and why? Why?
0: You know, I, I really enjoyed uh, George Bush. I thought yes. he was a the second. Uh, I, my friend told me he had. He was probably the smartest of the Bushes. He probably had a little learning disability that blocked him from uh, communicating, but uh, always liked his approach. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I understand he's doing very well. So yeah. We've
1: actually had him on campus and uh, had a chance to, to uh, interview him. He is a, a wonderful, wonderful person and uh, a man of faith. Mm-hmm. So we're grateful
2: for that. Love it. Love it. Last question to round out our fire round together is uh, what is the number one piece of advice you would give to your 24-year-old self?
0: Uh, Just, I I would say that uh, find something that you do well. Uh, And um, whatever you do, put your heart and soul into it. And normally, if you work hard, it will generate a return. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's been true in my life. And I think... uh, Foundationally, you have to commit to something mm-hmm. and stay with it, and and it will work out. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Senator Broxton, for joining
1: us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Grateful for your service. Uh, you have served this wonderful state with distinction, and we're grateful for that. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, if you want to stay up to date with Senator Broxson, you can follow him on Twitter and Facebook at Doug Broxson. Is there any other way or is that are those the best to follow you and uh, get in connection with you? Or call my office. Or just call the office in Tallahassee. That's great. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Framework Leadership Podcast. Take care.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Engel, at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Engel. And hey, if you love great, email newsletters. And I know that I do. You want to check out the framework leadership newsletter every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop onto there. Thank you so much for listening to framework leadership. Take care, everybody.